This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. So I wanted to make this one a little bit early. I wanted to make this program... I was originally going to do like I always do, you know, every Thursday. But I always say, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave the door open. I'll leave the door open to that variability. And if I want to do a show more frequently than that, then I will. And this is one of those occasions, especially because I was just talking about it, I think, two weeks ago, right? The shelf life, current events, and the time that they really remain relevant. Best way to put it is, look, I I would say, unfortunately, it is what it is. You know, there's nothing that, that can be done to change that. But it's short. So as a result, I was kind of looking at how things are. Uh, the PG and E outage is already done. You know, that's old news. So I wanted to do that a little bit earlier. So in today's program, it's, it's going to be probably shorter. I'm, I'm imagining it's going to be around the 30-minute mark. And then for Thursday, I'm going to do another open lines program, so... You know, you have some time. You have a little bit of of time, a little bit of leeway. If there's anything you would like to share, any questions, any comments, any miscellaneous topics or talking points you would like to bring up, uh, go ahead and send me an email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. And, of course, you can type up your correspondence, or you can also go ahead and record it through your microphone, your recording device, and uh, send it in via email. So it'd be great to hear from you, and if there's anything you want to talk about, uh, this show coming up this Thursday is for you. So of course, when I, when I recorded the show last Thursday, right, the big news was that there were over, I believe, 600,000 people without power in California, uh, as many at times over 800,000, even around the million mark, huge amounts of individuals with no power. And this was done intentionally by the Pacific Gas and Electric Company, also known as PG&E. It was mostly done in Northern California as well as the Bay Area. And it was being done... Because, as I was saying last week, it's wildfire season, right? Obviously, conditions were very favorable for such devastating wildfires, like the ones that happened last year, uh, that resulted in massive amounts of, of destruction, loss of life, property, and inexorably changed things. It, it devastated so many areas, so terribly. And the reason why this was done was the cause of one of these wildfires was because I believe some of the the power lines from PG&E, that's who they traced it to, went down in the high winds, and of course that sparked a fire, and, you know, it, it grew and grew and got out of control and killed a lot of people. So to say, look, We're going to try to be proactive this time. We're going to try to make sure that never happens again. We're going to cut the power 
uh, until it becomes safe to restore it. So then, look, if the lines fall, it's not going to cause any issues. We can tend to it. We can take care of things, uh, you know, get everything done and be able to restore power. No fire and everyone is safe. So that was the plan. But needless to say, there were very, I mean, there were many, many differing viewpoints and opinions from people all over California, all over the world, even. It made it even made international news, this power outage. And you had people taking all different viewpoints. You had people who were saying, look, I think that this is a terrible idea. I think there are better ways to go about preventing wildfires than just taking the power down and screwing everyone over. It's hurting a lot of people, inconveniencing a lot of people, and chances are the wildfires are going to happen anyway, so it's useless. Other people are saying, I think they did the right thing. I think this is a necessary step in the right direction. Now, we're going to be getting to your opinions, we're going to be getting to your thoughts and your comments, and we'll be hearing what you have to say on these blackouts. The good news, and one of the reasons why I wanted to go ahead and make this broadcast a little earlier, was that power is back. For all customers who lost electricity as part of California Utility, Pacific Gas and Electric's public safety shutoff. Uh, That was on Saturday evening, so it's been back for a few days now. And with the lights being back on now, things can get back to normal. Life can kind of return to as it was. People can hook up once again, reconnect to the internet, and uh, get back into the swing of things. Of course, people are worried, though, that, look, this might happen again. And what if this becomes a, a recurring instance where, all right, it's getting windy, time for the lights to go off for five more days. And, uh, you know, already lots of people are getting very, very fed up with it, but opinion is extremely mixed. I mean, to give you my honest viewpoint, I think whether you like it or not, it's going to happen again. And I think what we're seeing right now is only the beginning. I think that you're going to be seeing this a lot, especially in California. I think these are going to be a regular thing. And I think for one reason or another, you're going to start seeing these power cuts happening in other parts of the country, too. Uh, I would believe it. Will there be some companies who are going to start doing this out of goodwill and are legitimately doing this to try and prevent an emergency? Yes. And do I think that there's going to be companies doing this for other reasons? Absolutely. Goes to show, though, you know, we take we take utilities for granted, you know. Everything that we have right now, all the power, all the water, you name it, it's all reliant, usually on just a few companies. And with the push of a button, could be gone at any given moment, any second, any time, anywhere. And it's a crazy thing how reliant we are, but... We're kind of just here for the ride. What what can you really do about it, you know? So anyway, with that being said, and with this, uh, well, this huge blackout having been resolved, there are some wildfires in California, though, ongoing, and hopefully it doesn't get too crazy. 
I already know that some people had to evacuate and some people were allowed to return back to their homes. I believe this was more in Southern California, though. But hopefully, hopefully things are, uh, are getting better. And if they aren't as of now, then I hope they do soon. But anyway, with the blackouts themselves having ended, let's get over to your correspondence and open up the inbox and see what your thoughts are on the PG&E blackouts. Alright, so opening the inbox, we have a few emails that I want to tend to, and uh, then that'll be it for the show. Like I said, this is going to be a shorter broadcast, and uh, then we'll get a longer, more diverse program for Thursday. This is just, I wanted to focus on this one topic, and uh, that's what we've got. So Joel, over in Cincinnati, Ohio, says, My thoughts on the PG&E blackouts are that I think they are doing the right thing, but they're going about it the wrong way. As you said in your podcast, the PG&E power lines had been to blame for the deadly wildfires, so I think that they're doing the right thing by preemptively stopping wildfires from taking place. However, I think they could find another solution uh, than affecting hundreds of thousands of people by shutting off their power. And uh, interesting thoughts, Joel. Yeah, one thing that I've seen suggested that very well may be a much better solution is possibly, I think someone suggested putting the power lines underground. And I mean, that does sound like it's a good, a good idea. You know, I've, I've had experience with the underground power lines, and I, I prefer them quite a bit, honestly, than the above ground power lines. But at the same time, I just, I wonder if, I don't know if costs are an issue there, or if it's just impractical to have the power lines underground. I mean, it depends already on the prevalence of of power lines being underground over there. You know, if all of these power lines are still above ground, right, the cost to put them underground is going to be astronomical, and I, I imagine maybe they don't want to do that. But, you know, I mean, one idea perhaps is that in these very at-risk locations, maybe where they they have that chance of, of really starting something, maybe putting them underground there would be better. Um, yeah, interesting, though. That's just an idea. I, I have no idea as to its practicality or if it would even work or not, but thank you for your thoughts, Joel, no matter what. We get an email from Rocco over in California. And uh, he says, my name is Rocco, 30-year lifelong native resident of Norco, California, uh, which resides in the western portion of Riverside County to the north of Corona. The electrical system shutoffs up north may be necessary to prevent wildfires in severe wind events. The main issue at hand is the declining health of the California electrical grid. In Northern California especially, many of the transmission towers and lines are well above 60 years old, and many have not had hands-on maintenance checks in over 10 years. Pacific Gas and Electric do regular checks remotely with drones and do not actually climb the poles. The combined old age and lack of maintenance plus the yearly wind events is basically a perfect ratio for wildfires. So, we have established that for safety purposes, the lines need to be shut off in high winds, 
but it should also be known that Northern California utility customers pay well above national average for their electrical service. This I find highly ridiculous, but it honestly fits the trend for the way things work here in my state. So that was from Rocco. And thank you so much for your feedback there. That's one other thing that I've heard about the, the infrastructure itself in California, and I think that's a good elaboration that you gave also. Uh, because I had heard people say that it's decrepit, that it's falling apart, uh, that, you know, it's kind of like if you look at it the wrong way, it's going to just collapse, and that's going to be it. It's, it's over. But no one ever really explained why. Uh, so thank you for, for going into the details there. And yeah, I, I, could, I could see how that could be a massive issue where, look, it's one thing for the infrastructure to be old, but well-maintained and taken care of. I mean, we know that a lot of things years ago were made to last and uh, probably with, you know, better constructed to a certain degree than today. Not always, you know, there's many, many, many exceptions and things just have their lifespan. But it's one thing if they're still taken care of and they're still in good shape and, and are reliable. It's another if something's old and they're just letting it fall apart. Uh, that is a recipe for disaster, and that's why I just see more trouble down the road, quite frankly. Going over to Joe, he says, It's hard to say what the intentions are regarding PG&E. Uh, governor Newsom, who is the uh, governor for the state of California, uh, just recently blasted the company for not keeping up their power grids and uh, blasted them for faulty maintenance for the power outages and also said PG&E was in bankruptcy and is doing this to save money. They have started turning service back on, but it could still be a few more days. In total, they turned off uh, 700,000 accounts, which equates to over 2 million customers. I have a friend in California, and he said they got a gas-powered generator to run select appliances and their Wi-Fi periodically. Then at times, they'll go out to certain restaurants and charge their devices and use their Wi-Fi. So this was sent a few days ago when the, the lights were still off over there. Yeah, it is interesting that it seems like the state government of California it does not have PG&E's back with this, which is, which is interesting to see. So... From the outside, at least, I mean, as an outside observer especially, it doesn't seem like the, the government of California and PG&E are working hand-in-hand hand on this. Uh, rather, it just seems like a, a decision completely independent of PG&E that has drawn a lot of criticism, so it seems. Joanne, over in San Diego, California, writes, My understanding is the primary driving force for the power companies such as PG&E and here in San Diego, SDG&E, to cut power during the windy and dry Santa Ana weather conditions, is that they were sued for their power lines causing major devastating fires that happened in the last decade or so. And I believe PG&E was even bankrupted by the lawsuits. As such, they very aggressively cut power now to prevent any future fires and lawsuits. And this is complicated by the fact that people are increasingly living in rural areas due to either the high cost of living or the desire to get away from crowded urban areas. But the rural areas are typically served by the sometimes poorly maintained overhead power lines 
that are sometimes the cause of such fires. Now, putting all of the lines underground is both financially and environmentally costly. But for those with medical equipment and perishable goods, these power cuts are more than an inconvenience. Unless you have a generator, it could be life-threatening. All you'll receive is a warning from the power company, and then you have to implement your own emergency plans. Uh, For example, we have to plan what to do for my mother, who is on medically necessary oxygen via a large oxygen concentrator machine. Sorry if this is long-winded. Looking forward to the next show from Joanne in San Diego, California. And that is an interesting point that you brought up also. Yeah, not only would it be exceptionally costly to move the lines underground, but yeah, environmentally costly as well. And on such a large scale, I mean, I don't think that'll be implemented, but it's like, it seems like it's a lose-lose situation. And I just feel really bad, especially for all the people out there, like you were saying, who, you know, have have medical needs, who are dependent, say, on oxygen or, or equipment that literally keeps them alive. I mean, hopefully in that case, all I would hope for is that maybe local government uh, will, will at least be <laughs> kind enough. Maybe they'll have a little bit of ethics, a little bit of, of morality, and they'll be willing to maybe open up a, a facility with generators and maybe air conditioning and facilities, especially for people who literally have these debilitating medical conditions and need this power just to survive. Uh, hopefully, if, if they haven't already, hopefully that's going to be the case. One story I even saw in the news was that they said that a man in California uh, who had serious health issues died just a few minutes after the power outages, uh, after his CPAP machine went offline and uh, reached for a backup tank nearby uh, but collapsed and died. Now, the coroner, though, says that, you know, this wasn't related to the power outage, but, you know, his family says, look, if the lights never went off, he wouldn't have needed to reach for the backup tank and would still be alive, so... Either way, even if that's a bit of a stretch, it goes to show, look, there's lots of people out there who are dependent on electricity, like you were saying, just to power life-saving medical equipment. And uh, again, I just hope when these outages happen again, perhaps there will be intervention uh, from, again, local governments or or well-meaning organizations who are willing to have a place with electricity specifically for, you know, people with these conditions to to be able to kind of wait it out there uh, with good conditions at that. Olaf over in Sweden says, uh, while I don't really have an opinion on the power outages in California, since I don't live in the U.S., I do believe that these types of things will become more common in the future. Uh, With global warming, rising temperatures, and more severe storms, etc., I believe shutdowns of utilities will become a regular occurrence. For example, here in Sweden, uh, there have been bans on watering lawns, gardens, and so forth, on these last two summers because of serious drought across the country. Because of the droughts, we have had absolutely enormous forest fires. 
Part of me thinks outages and shutdowns like these and the one in California are good in a way. In today's society, we are so used to our lights always working and water always coming out of the tap or even having constant access to the internet. No one ever thinks about what would happen or what they would do if these basic utilities disappeared. By having these controlled shutdowns, not only can we prepare ourselves for the same thing happening because of a natural disaster or such, but we also get to experience the hard and inconvenient life of times past, and perhaps we can come away from an experience feeling more grateful for what we take for granted every day. So thank you over there in Sweden, Olaf. Thank you for writing in. And, uh, you know, it is interesting that you mentioned that. I mean, the saying exists for a reason. You don't know what you got till it's gone. And I think in a lecture about a month or two ago, I remember the water got cut off to where I was. And it was such a weird feeling. Because out of habit, you turn on the tap, and nothing comes out. And, you know, it was at that moment that I really realized how dependent... Every one of us is on clean, running water. And if that water is gone, intentionally or otherwise, (laughs) so many of us are, let's just say, not in a good place. Same thing with, of course, electricity, right? Lights go off and they never come back or stay off for a while. It's going to be difficult. So as a result, if anything... We need to take this stuff as a reality check uh, just to be aware that while hopefully things will remain on and functional and in good shape and good condition at any time, we need to be ready to, to some capacity just in case. Jillian over in Indiana says, I have a few thoughts on the topic. I grew up in a rural area with harsh winters and storms that commonly caused power outages, occasionally lasting several days. It is inconvenient, but most people can deal with a power outage even if they aren't thriving. However, power outages disproportionately affect certain communities. People living below the poverty line may not have the resources to replace spoiled food or buy non-perishables for the duration of the outage. In addition, disabled and elderly people who depend on medical equipment have their lives endangered. Even with warning, many wouldn't have the mobility or resources to go to recharge stations, buy a generator or battery backup, or stock up on medicine, and it saddened me to read that one 67-year-old died within 12 minutes of the power being cut, and I'm sure that many more are affected. I find it morally reprehensible that PG&E has barely tried to mitigate these effects. Uh, They asked people with these medical necessities to use their own resources to relocate, which sometimes just isn't feasible, or take an ambulance to the emergency room. The fact that they would plan these outages without the foresight To provide accommodation for these people makes absolutely no sense to me. And on a final thought, I would say this is not a problem specific to PG&E. Private utility companies all over the U.S. have unfair monopolies and are rarely held accountable for this sort of neglect and corruption 
It may seem pessimistic, but that is the world we live in. And yeah, that that was uh, in reference to the one the one man who died just after the outage took place. What gets me the most about it is is they really didn't give anyone much time to prepare or any resources, especially for, like you said, the people who would truly be impacted the most by this. It feels almost like they kind of just left them to to twist in the wind and, and figure it out themselves. So thank you for your correspondence. All right, so coming up, I would say we have about two more emails that I want to get to. And then that's about it for the program. That's all that I have. Like I said, this is not going to be the world's longest program because it's really just one subject that I want to uh, just touch upon, you know, just the power outages and get your your thoughts and feedback on them. Of course, an interesting trend that I've noticed with the correspondence is just that I, I haven't seen even one response yet that's, you know, completely supportive of these outages, you know, outright. Like, even if some pieces of feedback say, well, maybe they were for the best, there's still always, you know, an add-on to some extent saying, well, even if they were for the best, I think that it could have been done better, or I think it was poorly implemented, or so on and so forth. So, I mean, what that tells me is that these power cuts were extremely unpopular, but I still think it's going to happen going forward. Now, before we get to these last two pieces of correspondence, one thing I want to do is have a word from our sponsor, Studio Shepin, so stay tuned for that. And always keep in mind, a great way to support this program is by advertising on it. It's an extremely low rate, and I just want to get you on the air because it helps everyone out. It helps this show out, it helps you out, and everyone wins. It's a low rate, gets you out to a wide audience. If you're interested in advertising, send me an email, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And hey, at the very least, no harm in asking. Consider it. Stay tuned. This is V-O-R-W. Studio Shepin is a becoming comic book creator and storybook illustrator, and he's looking to work with any V-O-R-W listeners out there. Shepin offers a variety of freelance artwork, from digital or traditional paintings, to handmade, customized stickers, to storybook and comic book illustrations. Whether you want to take your idea to a publisher, or have something fun to share among friends and family, he'll be happy to work with you to make your idea take form. For creative types out there seeking casual and friendly experience in putting together a short story or short comic book, Shepin is the artist for you. If you're interested, you can contact Shepin and browse his artwork on his home website, studioshepin.com. There you will find links to his other platforms, such as Instagram and Patreon, his commission menu for a quick price guide, and you'll also be able to browse his short and sweet collection of comic books that he's written and illustrated himself. Once again, that's studioshepin.com, spelled S-T-U-D-I-O-S-C-H-E-P-P-E-N 
studioshepin.com. Studioshepin.com. All right, so two more pieces of feedback. Uh, we get a short email from Austin in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he just says, I have no faith in these companies. I advise folks to research history of mismanagement in California. I am not anti-government, but California is a great example of arguing against bureaucracy. So that was from Austin in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thank you for your feedback and viewpoint, Austin. And now let's go over to Jess, who says, I was born and raised in the town of Santa Rosa, California, a city stuck right in the middle of Sonoma County, one of the counties most affected by the wildfires of 2017. I still remember waking up at 5 a.m. on October the 9th, 2017. I was awoken by my two friends who I was sharing an apartment with. The three of us walked out onto the balcony of our third-story apartment and saw on a distant hill the unmistakable glow of fire spread across the entire ridge line. We evacuated and did not fully come to grasp the gravity of the situation until we managed to get to a television due to the fact that the cell networks were down. Fortunately, no one that I knew lost their lives in the fire, but I do know a few families who lost their homes. Even though the events took place two years ago, almost to the day, the trauma is still very fresh in the minds of those affected. I moved out of state over a year ago, so the blackouts are unable to affect me directly. However, many of my friends and family still live in the area. Those who I know who are affected by the blackouts are quite annoyed, to say the least. They are fed up with the way that PG&E is handling things, because in today's world, when the power goes out, everything stops. And in their minds, PG&E has not done enough to improve their infrastructure, the fault of which sparked the fires of 2017. The company has been sued into bankruptcy, and they are stretched extremely thin, so the blackouts are the best they can do to prevent another catastrophe. Ideally, PG&E would totally revamp the power grid, but those things take time, money, and resources that they can't provide in such short order. So thank you very much for your correspondence there. And yeah, I remember those fires in 2017. Uh, like I said, they were about yeah two years ago to the day. And I remember... I, I remember even I got a uh, a piece of feedback back in 2017 because I was broadcasting the show on shortwave over to California. And uh, someone over there who was had an emergency radio, was listening in and, and said, yeah, you know, I everything is out here. I There is fire everywhere. Uh, I'm probably going to lose my home, probably going to lose everything. I'm trying to get out. And it was crazy. It was just, it's, it's always so insane to see how bad it can get. So thank you for your feedback. And with that, I'm going to be wrapping up today's program. As always, keep in mind that the next show is going to be open lines, so if you have any questions, comments, or pieces of feedback, send me an email, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. And that concludes our discussion on the PG&E. Thank you so much to everyone who participated. 
We'll have a new show coming your way in a few days. Thank you for listening and take care. This is VORW.